Good morning. I'd like for all the kids who are kindergarten through fifth grade to make their way up here to go down with your uh, teachers this morning. And for those who are three, four, and five-year-olds to to do the same, except you're making your way to the back of the congregation here. All right. I know it's summertime, right? And so schedules are changing and things are different. Uh, but but uh, it's, 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 and I, I will say this concerning vacations and all those that, the things that come up, uh, I encourage you not to uh, vacation from God. Uh, and that doesn't mean just church attendance. I mean, stay in the word, pray, you're on vacation, don't take a break. Uh, you know, it, it's a great time. Places we but we go someplace different is always uh, a great time to respond and just say, "God, we praise you for the beauty we behold, uh, part of your creation." And uh, Linda and I went on a little trip this week, and uh, it was in the Florida area, and we just had some great conversations with people we met on the beach or we met. Uh, in, in various places and restaurants and things, and it was just it was just an enjoyable time, um, and it was it, and we're not going to say that that people caused our vacation to be spoiled because we really enjoyed about everybody we ran into. It was it was a part of our vacation what helped it be relaxing. So when it comes to vacation. Uh, and you're away, I, I encourage you to find a church to go and, and worship if, if you're with family, uh, or you could always catch us on uh, as we stream online and, and do that. But I, I do recommend you be face-to-face with people. So if you're able to go to a physical church where people are worshiping, consider that you're sitting around brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and what a great opportunity that is. We've taken many opportunities to do that. So here we are, vacation time. Glad you're here. Uh, this is, I'll announce it now, this is our annual meeting day. I really thought that was going to be responded with, woohoo, yay! <laughs> annual meeting day. How important is this? And honestly, I have not seen how important it is. We've, we've made some changes or, or, or fully, or, or I guess adapting it uh, to be more helpful. So we hold it at right after service. Uh, we dismiss this service in about 10, 15 minutes uh, once, once people have the opportunity to leave that are going to leave, and then the rest come in and sit down. I encourage you, even if you're, you're not a member of the congregation, to stay, and here's the reason why. In the annual meeting, what we do is, is our deacons, our elders, our ministers all have an opportunity to take just a brief moment to say, here's what's happened this past year that we see is really good. Maybe even here's some things that we see needing change. And then, then here's what we're looking at in the future. We try to keep it brief because there's several people who report. Usually our meetings last about an hour. So I know that cuts into lunch time. So we allow time for grumbling and things like that in your belly, not from your mouth. So anyway, uh, annual meeting time gives us that opportunity to look and just say, here's what's been happening through the church. Here's what's exciting. And here's the direction we are looking to go in, Lord willing, if you know what I mean by that. You know, it would be great to schedule Jesus coming sometime this next year, right? But that's in his timetable. We keep planning, and, and he's going to return uh, when he's good and ready. Amen to that. Um, in this annual meeting, uh, I, I know for the past couple of weeks you've had 
ballots that has been available. It has deacons, deaconesses, and elders that we seek approval of to be a part of, and, and then also our budget. So all that, if you're a member, you'll be taking, uh, taking part of that. If you haven't done it already, several people as you came in knew the routine, uh, signing your name, have your ballot, and, and, and take care of that that way. Uh, or you could wait till during the meeting. We could do it through the meeting uh, and, and uh, uh, have that all taken care of. Anyway, so we invite you to come and, and be a part of that if you'd like to join us. Uh, organization is important. Organization, and, and if you think, if, if we've been watching this church, wonderful things are happening, especially in the numbers of people who are coming to believe in Jesus. We're talking thousands. Last week, it was multitudes of men, multitudes of women. They've stopped counting because they are just in this great number of people who've come to believe in Jesus Christ. And, and as that happens, we're going to find out from this passage today. Just so happens, Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7, hits on the day we're having an annual meeting. And I love the, the orchestration. I, I would love to take you know, credit for that, but it really just fell into place what we're about to look at. So we're going to look at why good organization is needed in the church. And we're going we're gonna to see that as it's read out. So uh, if you have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 is what we're going to be looking at in this passage. Acts chapter 6, beginning verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert of Judaism, to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. To the word of God, uh, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This idea of developing leaders and, and bringing forth leaders. I'm, we're going to call them uh, servant leaders that, that are found within this text to, to resolve a problem the church was having. But, but this idea of organization in the church is really important. Matter of fact, the, the overall statement I want us to consider this morning is this, that the church needs servant leaders. You see that? But I, 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 that really is incomplete. That's what I gave to Trish before we left this last weekend. Uh, it, it ought to be completed this way. The church, the church needs servant leaders for the sake of the gospel. I think that's the whole content of what we're going to look at today. We need servant leaders to step up for the sake of the gospel. Uh, here, here's the direction I'm going to go. I, I want to talk to you about 
the reason for our structure, our development. I know you might come from different co uh, congregations, and there, but there is organization in every congregation, and there's differences among how we do it and church to church, and, but, but that organization is important. So a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is, is I will talk a little bit about how we're organized and, and how we're functioning and wanting to grow in that function as well. So here are reasons for servant leaders. Here's a couple of them. First of all, as the church grows, so does its need for servant leaders. We see this happening. If you've been with us and been going through this book of, of Acts, again, we see just this this continued adding uh, to the multitude of people who are coming to know Jesus. And there are so many of them. There are thousands of them, of them come together. And, and we, we haven't seen any trouble. The trouble we've seen amongst the church is what? It's been from the outside, right? The, the religious leaders are saying, stop. And that doesn't seem to be any trouble at all. Matter of fact, they leave rejoicing because of the trouble they faced. But, but now, where we've been seen as these people are growing, the two, uh, two uh, common phrases used to describe what this body looked like was they had all things in common. They, they were a united body of people, uh, and they were united in Jesus Christ. Uh, there was the wealthy, and there were those who were poor, and, and the wealthy, remember, they were selling their possessions in order to take care of the poor. And, and nobody amongst the group of believers had need. They were, they were not people who were going hungry or, or they were all taken care of. Everybody had everything in common is what the verse says over and over until 6. Until chapter 6, verse 1. The believers who had all things in common were now experiencing disunity. And, and with the disunity was coming some grumbling, some complaining. And, and here's where the complaining was coming from. Uh, in that first verse, a lot of questions here, and, and I want to answer that. Uh, there's Hebraic Jews and Hellenistic Jews. The, Hel the Hebraic Jews, their widows were being taken care of in the daily uh, distribution of food. The Hellenistic Jews, on the other hand, were not receiving the food. Uh, as regular. And, and, and here's the difference. The Hebraic Jews were the hometown people. They were, they were, the, they were insiders. They were hometown people. You know, you, these are the people you see you every week. You're comfortable with them. Uh, you all speak the same language, right? They, they were speaking Aramaic and, and uh, the, the language of that territory, that area. But then there's those Hellenistic Jews. Who were they? Hellenistic Jews were those in history that had been dispersed all over from, from areas like Egypt and from Cappadocia and from uh, as far as Rome. And, and matter of fact, if you want to see where they're from, Acts 2, 9, and 10 gives us a good idea of, of the territory that all these people are from. They were there and they came from all these directions to come to Jerusalem. It, it, this also gives me the idea that a lot of those who are becoming Christians are staying in Jerusalem. They're staying in Jerusalem. They want to stay here. Something wonderful is happening in the beginning of the church, and they're just drawn to stay here. I think that's going to be significant as we move on through the book of Acts. But, but can you imagine this community that's building and growing? All of a sudden, disunity is happening between these two groups. Does it make you feel a little bit uh, less, a, a, a little bit more comfortable 
the fact that, oh man, there's a flaw in the church. You see all this perfection happening, you think, oh man, we're not perfect. And, and, and you know we're not perfect because sometimes we come together and there's some differences that will have a tendency to divide you and I. There's differences that will have a tendency, maybe where we're from, uh, or, or even if we're, we're not even a, a, from this nation or something like that, or, or, or whatever it might be, there are things that divide us. Isn't that right? And, and, and it might cause us to do that. So we're, we're familiar with that. We know that we're drawn to this unity as well. What's interesting, uh, you know, it, with this complaining, the apostles did not respond by saying, you people just need to love Jesus more. That's the problem. You're not loving Jesus like you should. Have you ever had anybody tell you that? If you have, man, something you see is not right and someone tells you, well, you're just, you just don't have enough faith or you're just not loving Jesus enough. The truth is there was a problem in the church and it needs to be recognized. It needs to be identified and dealt with. That's what the apostles did. Now, the apostles were obviously seen as the leadership of the church. These 12 guys who really started the, the promotion of this gospel message, the story of Jesus' death and his resurrection. People were coming to know him. And that was all on the, the apostles as they were laying that foundation. So they went to them with this problem, and, and their solution was not to jump in both feet and say, let's take care of this. Their solution in verse 3 was, let's choose for yourselves seven men uh, who, who are going to lead in this way. Matter of fact, I've called them servant leaders. Let me show you why I'm calling them, identifying them as servant leaders. I'd like to actually read verses 1 through 4 again, but this time differently. There's, there's one word, one Greek word that's being used and translated in three different ways in our passage. So I want you to see it. The word I'm, I'm looking at is uh, diakonos. And, and interpreted means servant. The verb form of that word means to serve. So, and does that word diakonos sound familiar? It's, it's on the ballot, and they're called deacon or deaconess. How is that word translated? Well, it actually means to serve. So deacon means servant. And, and the verb form of the word is serve. So when I read through this, one through four, yeah, Mike's going to put it back up there for me. But as I read this, I want you to note, instead of the word that they translated, I'm going to say deacon, or, or actually the verb form say deaconing. Okay, so you can identify where these words are and how they're used. So let me go back to verse one. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews were... Uh, among them uh, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily deaconing of food. Distribution is how it was translated. Verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to deacon tables. To serve tables. All right? Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you, that's not it, one more, uh, from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the deaconing of the word. <laughs> I love that. I love that. 
Well, it, that's, that's a responsibility of the elders. We don't look to the elders. I mean, that ministry is more of a comfortable word. That's how that one's translated, ministry. Uh, but these three words are all the same word. Uh, the distribution, the serving, the waiting on tables, and the, the ministry of the word, all the same. I, I, I want to identify this clearly because I think as you read through the scriptures, it's pretty clear that if you're in Jesus, you are a deacon. <laughs> you, you are deaconing. You are a servant. That, that's the attitude. Why should our attitude be any different than Jesus? Right? The, the one who saved you. Why should your attitude be any different than Jesus? And what did Jesus come to do? Man, he left the glory of heaven, the splendor of all the riches and, and, and things of, of, of earth and came not only to be uh, in, this, in, in, in the flesh, but he came to serve, even to point to serving us by dying on the cross. Our Savior came to serve. Why should his disciples, anyone who follows after Jesus, be any different? That means the apostles served or they ministered the gospel and everyone else was, man, they were finding those places to serve, to be involved in that deaconing. I want to go on uh, and, and just to talk about us and in, in our functioning. As, as a church, one of our, our main means of, of organizing, of course, is our board, which is made up of deacons, deaconesses, and our elders. Now, specifically, I want to look at those who are, are identified as deacons and deaconesses. Each of these people are, are encouraged or expected to put themselves as a part of our ministry teams. What are our ministry teams? Well, they are how we define waiting on tables, serving tables. And here, here, here are those that, that's listed in some of our, our information. Like buildings and grounds, you know, someone who's focused on, on taking care of the building and, and, and all around it, our property. Uh, there is care and compassion. We have a group who, who are focused upon care and compassion. This would be the group that ought to have their eyes on everybody as, hey, they ought to be raising their hands and say, hey, there's a group over here not being taken care of. And matter of fact, this group has done it several times. I've had them come up. He said, well, hey, do you know so-and-so is, is hurting in this way? Sometimes we don't know. And, and, and I'm not hired to know everything like that. But we have groups who are there for this purpose to make sure everybody is being cared for. And there's no neglect going on in the congregation. No one's being overlooked. That's care and compassion. Christian education. This is, this is the group who's focused upon uh, our, the care of our children. You know, nursery and, and, and the toddlers, our elementary age, uh, our middle school, high school. Matthew, that's, of course, where Matthew is focused. A lot of his ministry is right there, middle school, high school. And, and that team is, is focused upon the care of our children. Uh, what they're doing right now is under the, the, the care of the Christian education team. Uh, connect. There's a connect team. Fellowship and outreach is uh, actually fellowship is one of their main focuses. Uh, over the past month, this this group has promoted uh, dinner with eight, dine with nine, and many of you have signed up to that. Today, I know that there's there's er, groups have been formed, and so here, uh, beginning June, uh, a number of teams are going to be meeting. That's been part of the connect and. Uh, 
the, the connect team, the fellowship group. So if you sign up for that, uh, you should be contacted. I don't know how that's going to work, but I know that those teams have been formed. Uh, missions team. This, this is definitely people who are looking outside the church outreach, uh, supporting missions and other things. Uh, there, are, there are servant leaders who are focused upon uh, that important issue for us. It is taking the gospel uh, into the world and, and our support of those who are uh, in other parts of this world. There is content creation. That's a new one, new one to us. It's because of all this, this, this um, you know, what do you, technology. It's just technology. I don't even know how to spell it. But anyway, technology is where, you know, some, some very sharp people have been part of that. Matthew really leads out in that too. I know Chris Heilman has, has been with him and, and I've, we've had some other people a part of that. So these, this is where some people are serving tables. Some, some areas that we need some focus so that, guess what? So that the apostles... And, and, and I got to say this, I'm not an apostle. We'll, we'll get into this a little bit more. Matter of fact, in this point, I, uh, because there's, there's a, a great reason for servant leaders to step up and take responsibility for these areas. And, and I, that's why I added for the sake of the gospel. And, and the second point is this, added to it is this, the needs of the church the needs that arise, even those who, who might be ignored or, or maybe some ministries that, that are being ignored, that must not take away from our mission to spread and teach the gospel. Those things that, that might be ignored or, or might, might need attention cannot take away from the mission that God has given us, our great priority of Continuing to spread the gospel message, that message of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection, and the forgiveness of sins through that, and, and the continued teaching. So it is to, to the focus of, of our helping our people to mature in Christ, to, to, to know more about the word. That's my responsibility as I stand up here. That is our elders' responsibility. We had, a, uh, we had a case where, where one of our elders continued to work buildings and grounds. And it, it, that wasn't right. Was it right? So for some time, we looked someone, uh, for someone to take that responsibility. And, and uh, it, what, a, what a great example because uh, our elder was torn between his responsibility to be praying for and focusing upon the, 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 the continued spread of the gospel and the spiritual lives within the church and, and the physical needs of the building. It was way too much. And it was a split, divided focus. Uh, over the past year, we've had a new guy come in and his focus has been upon the building. His focus has been upon things. Done a great job and it's freed up our elder to focus on those areas of prayer and dedicated to his word for the sake of the body. Because we're not just about the physical things of this property. That's not what our focus is. That's not why we exist. We exist for the gospel. And we need need these servant leaders to step forward to, I didn't say this, but to lead in these areas in order that, that uh, those who are, are working may focus on that. Yeah, that was the apostles. 
And the apostles had that foundation that they were to build upon. They were to declare that gospel message, to teach it, and, and to establish the very foundation that you and I stand upon today. They had to focus on their calling. I'm not going to use this passage, and I don't think it's right to use this passage, to support that ministers cannot get their hands dirty. I, I want to hear, make sure you heard me say that. This does not, so, so if ever I said, hey, I'm not to do this, I'm supposed to deal with the word, you know. But the truth is, it's okay for, for me to get my hands dirty or for the elders to get their hands dirty. You know, there's, there's things, I love the work day when we took down trees and things like that. Uh, or, or I've been known to, to be out here weed eating when I see a need or, or cleaning spots on the carpet. I do all that and I'm okay with that. I feel like I'm serving God with that too. But here's, here's the truth. I should not, nor any of the elders, be left to lead in the organization and oversight of serving tables. There ought to be leaders and, and others stepping up to take care of those physical needs, those things. Or even if there's people within the congregation who need help, it should not land upon those leaders. What, what the overall message is this, we must keep our focus upon what God has given us to do. We cannot be distracted. We can't have our eyes being taken off that with other needs and other things around. It's so easy. We have to be the ones who continue to promote those in leadership, myself and, and, and the elders, must continue to make sure that great priority continues to be a focus for us, continues to be what we look to do as a, as a congregation. The ministry of, of waiting on tables must continue, uh, and, and we want to increase in that area. No one should be neglected. Matter of fact, to, to think about how necessary this was, these widows were sisters in Christ. These widows were sisters in Christ. And, and here's just a, a, a fact that, that we can't let neglect continue to work in the church ever. Because guess what? You all represent the gospel. You represent that message. And, and it, with that neglect, it began to hinder the gospel and it's, it's, it's being spread. So it is significant to have people in those places to lead as servants. I, I want to go back to the fact I said earlier that, that we are all called to serve. And, and I'm just going to call your attention to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he paints this beautiful picture. Every one of us in Jesus have received the Holy Spirit. What's he doing? Well, he's leading, guiding. He's, he's the means of me growing in maturity in Christ calling my attention maybe to a sinfulness or, or maybe leading me to some kind of ministry or, 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 or drawing me to, to speak to someone. He's, he's working within us. He is working within us. And, and the fact is each one of us receives that Holy Spirit. He also gifts each one of us. And then Paul paints this beautiful picture of the body of Christ that we all make up that body of Christ. We all serve within the body of Christ. He, he points out, man, every 
every part of that body. You're, you're part of that body somewhere. And you function uniquely as God has given you opportunity and ability. And, and your functioning, guess what? Enables and strengthens other parts of the body. And it just has this, this wonderful, and, and guess who's the head? Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the body. And, and, and so there's this wonderful picture of functioning together. So I encourage you, jot that down and, and read it later. When the body is functioning as God has designed, verse 7, I think, is what happens. Uh, it, it happens in verse, verse 7 in, in, in our passage today. But, but after the individuals were chosen and they came into positions, I, I do want to say in verse 5, those who were chosen, a lot of them, there's Greek names used of those seven. Matter of fact, even Nicholas is called from Antioch, was a convert to Judaism. I find it very unique that these Hellenistic Jews, we're finding Hellenistic people to be a part of those who are going to meet this need, combined with Jews. It's, it, they're not all Hellenistic Jews, but there's a combination of Jews and Hebraic Jews and, and Hellenistic Jews working together to solve this issue with these widows. That they would be cared for, problems solved, and, and unity restored. Uh, it is so important for us to, to look at that and know that. Verse 7, I didn't finish reading them. Here's the result. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So it just continues on. How does the church continue? How are we going to, in our minds, we want to see the church be productive. I want to see the church be productive. I'm I, I could care less about building a new building or getting new grounds. I know people are get excited about that kind of thing. i got to be honest with you, that's never excited me. What excites me when I see someone come to know Jesus and a desire to grow, discipleship excites me. And I want it to excite you. I, I, I believe both deacons and elders ought to be united in that. We want to see people come to know Jesus. That ought to be the church board. We are gathering together every time we, we meet together. It ought to be, we are here for this great purpose as we want people to know Jesus and we want people to grow in Christ and get involved in his body, be a part of this. I could be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of something like that. How about you? That, to, to look, to lead out and loving God, and loving Christ, and then to be a part of his kingdom is a privilege. I'm going to say thank you to all those. I, I look at so many faces. I see teachers, those who are involved in our kids' programs, who've been uh, involved in cutting down trees and so many things. You've been involved in ministry, and I thank you for that. For those who have stepped up to the place of serving, uh, of leading in service, thank you for that. We ought to grow in this area for two reasons. There ought to be two reasons we grow for this reason. It is because we're growing. We're adding to our number. Uh, the message is getting out. People are changing, becoming more like, like Christ. And the second reason is because of the promotion of the gospel. 
the, the focus of the gospel. I'm, I'm absolutely stepping all over my third point. Third point is not as exciting, but I do want to tell you how, how it functions, how it works here. Uh, the final point is this. Servant leaders are selected from within the church and by the church. Uh, that's what we see happening uh, within the passage. When, when they go to the apostles, what do the apostles do? He say, hey, look among yourselves and choose seven men to lead out in this. Choose seven men. Now, it does say specifically men. We have deacons and deaconesses, so I want to address that. First of all, you think about men. They are, uh, you know, already leaders in their households. Uh, in that time, definitely that's the way it was. Men were the leaders in their households. But throughout Acts, throughout lots of Paul's uh, writings, we have identified and even uh, called uh, several ladies deaconesses. One of the examples would be Phoebe in, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. She's actually identified as a deaconess and, and works. There's so many women who are absolutely essential to the continued work of the church and the growth of the church as, as it, it continues to work. Uh, so we also have deaconesses as a part of our church board. Guidance to how they, how they were chosen. In verse 3, I skipped that. Anyway, verse 3. In, in verse 3 it says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you with, with this in mind, okay? Who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, known they are recognized or they have a good reputation. You look at someone, you know, man, there's, there's the Holy Spirit's working in them. Well, how do we know that? Well, go to Galatians chapter 5, and, and, and what's, what's repeated there? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, pain, all those things working within their life, and you could identify it. You could see it working in them. Also, uh, the... Not only the Holy Spirit, but wisdom is working within them. Uh, matter of fact, 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, Paul lists, you know, here, here's some qualities that probably reflects that wisdom. You know, how they're conducting themselves. They're not taken by the things of this world. They're not spoiled by, uh, you know, uh, given to things that, that's really ruling their life. They are really being led by the Holy Spirit and they're making good choices. So these are the people that we then select uh, amongst ourselves saying, you know, here's a person that, that, that represents these examples. And so they're on our ballots today. And then the church, so it's among you that we choose. And, and then the church today has the opportunity to say, hey, we approve. We approve. I do want to say, it's, it's, and it's important to us, that we present this. We presented this two weeks ago. The names, there was a, a sample ballot back there, and, and also the budget. In order for you to look over and to question, and if you have a concern about a candidate, an elder or one of the deacons or deaconesses on there, it would give you an opportunity to say, hey, I have a concern, and address it. So that we would be able to address it. And, and, and then to deal with it. Today, as you vote... If you come up to say, oh, no, I can't, we don't encourage you to put a no vote there. We, we encourage you, if, if you say there is a reason you put no, we do expect to have some reason that this person should not be in this office of elder or deacon. 
that is, I want to I let you know, that is important to us. That is important to us. So we could address that. There's a spiritual reason that we're bringing these elders as elders in guidance for us and deacons uh, to lead out in that area of service. These people are important to us. Anyway, let's, let's move on. Uh, that's how we function. If you have any questions about that, please, please let me know afterwards. Uh, that kind of reveals there's so much more we could talk about, but it's warm in here. Is anybody else warm or is it just me because I'm speaking? <laughs> we need to move on. We need to move on. Hey, I, I want you to, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about organization. Sometimes people grumble and think about meetings and things like that, but when you're meeting on behalf of kingdom. When you're meeting and your focus is upon the gospel and its spread, there's something significant about it. And both groups are focused on it. Please, if you're a deacon, you're very much involved in the continued spread of the gospel. You're, you're part of a support team. And all of us had that responsibility to go out and, and share the good news with others. And, and, and it's our responsibility to, 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 to spread that gospel and to teach it. All right. So let me go through those points. As the church grows, so does the need for servant leaders. Think about that. The needs of the church must not take away from our mission to spread and teach the gospel. And finally, you know, how we do it here is we select amongst uh, the church here present and selected by the church. Those are all important to, to what we're doing here. And it is all for the sake of the gospel. Jesus' death, his resurrection, and salvation, forgiveness that comes through that. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, that foundationally, is there, there is no other message. This opens the door for us, loving you and serving you. And, and Lord, following you through life, uh, through, through every week that comes, through our workplace, whatever happens in this life, Lord, this is, this is most important for us because we are people of your kingdom. We belong to your family, Father, and we all claim this through Jesus Christ. We praise you for what Jesus has done. We praise you, Lord, for the organization of the church. We pray for our deacons, our deaconesses. We pray, Lord, for our elders, for the ministers, Lord. We just ask, Father, that we sharpen our focus Lord, if, if there's places uh, where we need to be strengthened, make us aware of that. Sharpen us, Lord, in order for each of us here to be growing and uh, uh, growing in your kingdom. And, Father, spreading that, that precious, precious news of Jesus uh, to everyone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.